Hmm? Ah! Oh. Yeah, completely, that does not work. Um, I remember vividly going to a little swimming bath with my mum, and uh, it was my next door neighbour at the time, who my mum was good friends with. And vividly in my mind, I recall just bobbing around in the water, being scared to death. And my mum and my fr- you know, her friend were there. And I've been about three years old and just being completely scared to death. So I do about 10 metres and um, now nah, I'm finished. I'll sunbathe all day long, man. But you asked me to swim. No. You no, know, no, it's, no. it's funny. It, it, it has the opposite effect. You're probably traumatized at this point by that experience. Oh, God, yeah, I'm scared of all water. Like, my, the, my wife asks if I want a cup of tea, and I'm like, oh, yeah, how deep is it? I'm not, <laughs> not into this. <laughs> Podcast Junkies, episode 69. In case you missed last week's episode, we spoke to Taki Moore, my business coach and good friend and mates from Down Under. Um, wide-ranging discussion on uh, a lot of the things that he's doing and that have uh, enabled him to take his coaching practice into stratospheric heights. I mean, it's he's just killing it, and he's one of the best um, teachers that I know on the topic, and which is why I signed up for him and why I continue to work with him. So if you get a chance to listen to it, it's the last episode, episode 68. Uh, this week, we speak to another international podcaster, Mr. Mark Asquith of the Excellence Expected podcast. And uh, I had known of Mark through um, a collaboration he has with uh, the one and only John Lee Dumas, uh, podcastwebsites.com. And uh, we ran into each other very briefly in the hallways, but I, I, we hadn't met before, and I knew that I wanted to have him on the show. So followed up, and uh, several months later, we made it happen. And I'm glad we did, and I'm always glad when I get to know a lot more about uh, people that I've just known through social media or just uh, one-off conversations. And Mark definitely didn't disappoint. I mean, the, the things that he's interested in, in is, are all over the map. Everything from DC Comics to jazz to Bon Jovi um, to obviously podcasting and uh, all things entrepreneur. And so um, it's wide-ranging, as uh, these usually tend to be, and uh, I think you won't be disappointed. So if you're new to the show and you're wondering um, who all these people are that we're talking about, then uh, welcome, first off. And this is what I like to call the podcaster's voice. So you could probably tell by the intros of the last guest and this guest that uh, I like to have conversations with uh, fascinating and interesting podcast hosts and I'm always on the lookout to develop relationships with uh, those folks so I can begin to bring them on the show and introduce you to, to some people that you may not have heard of before. So uh, again, this conversation is uh, no exception. And so enjoy my conversation with Mark Asquith. So in, just in case, <laughs> Mark Asquith, take two. Uh, and for folks who are very familiar with the joys of podcasting, they know that nothing ever goes right the first time. Thanks again, uh, once again, for <laughs> joining us on Podcast Junkies. Oh, it's a pleasure, man. It's a pleasure. I, you know, I see you around everywhere. So I, it's like one of those things. I must go on Podcast Junkies. So I'm, I'm just pleased to be here, man. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny because sometimes we, we have a, such a small community and we always tend to run each, into each other either online or uh, even better in live events. And I know that we cross paths at Podcast Movement because um, I saw that you were there this past year. And I think um, 
you had an event also with uh, John Lee Dumas uh, uh, promoting podcast websites. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we did a bit of a a cheeky little guerrilla launch event down just there in the whiskey in the rye down at uh, down in Fort Worth. So yeah, it was kind of cool. It was it was it was new to me because I'd not been to podcast movement before. I know it was only the second year, um, but man, what a conference that is! They do such a good job of that, don't they? They do, and I think um, they're learning from all the feedback, and they're and they're really taking a lot of input and trying to encompass all the different aspects of podcasting. So as, as you and I well know, and where I started was a lot of the folks doing entrepreneurial podcasts and small business, but it's there's just a whole range of uh, people out there doing anything that falls under that umbrella of podcasting, storytelling, sports, you know, th- people that uh, who podcast, people who podcast about podcasting. So <laughs> I was wondering what the biggest surprise for you was when you when you went there in terms of the range of what was available. Well, I think one of the most pleasant surprises for me, Harry, was the um, I, I know a guy, a guy called Jonathan Oakes, who does a, a fantastic show called Trivial Warfare, uh, completely, completely, completely underpromoted like you know that he's such he got such a good show um and and you know could do so much more with the promotion i love the guy to bits and i was really surprised because he did a live he did a live event there so he took you know he got jld he got pat flynn he got you know everyone ranging from these kind of podcasts small business entrepreneurial superstars down to you know sort of you and i there just passing him by and he he had um a little zoom h4n and he was just doing a live podcast all of the time consistently and that I wouldn't say it was, you know, it wasn't anything that the podcast movement guys put on. But what I I, w- I was really, really loving about that was it just for me it seemed to sum up everything about the event that you just had this really tight, close knit community of people that were just all there for the very, very same reason. And that not having been to a very specific conference like podcast movement before, that was the biggest surprise. Was this you got this tight knit community and everyone was so supportive, you know, everyone was there for the right reason. And and, and I'm kind of like you insofar as you know, I'm in this small business world, I'm in the entrepreneur interview space, and you know, it, it's a very busy space that we occupy. And just to see someone was doing a trivial pursuit style podcast, it just made me think. You know, I started podcasting doing a DC Comics podcast. You can see uh, you've got the video there. You can see that I've got a DC Comics, you know, print there. Everything's nice. DC Comics in this room. And, um, you know, so I, I started out doing this really hobbyist kind of podcast, really enjoying it. But I've been so in, in, involved in this small business entrepreneurial interview space that I've forgotten, completely forgotten that this other stuff exists. So that for me, it was just like a, an eye opener, you know. It was it was just really a snap back to reality that podcasting is just it's whatever you want to make it. And I thought that was amazing. I was surprised that I'd forgotten that. If that makes any sense, it totally does because I can relate as well. Because my first um, the thought or memory of the word podcasting was actually music. I'm a, I grew up as a DJ, electronic music DJ. So for me, a podcast was just a, a 60, 90 minutes DJ set. I had no idea this other world existed. And, and, and like you, um, when I think of people who started podcasting early on, they did it really for their passion, right? For just their, they have this one subject that they can talk endlessly about. They've exhausted their family and their friends and <laughs> they, they, they no longer want to hear about the topic. So they naturally what they do, they go on the internet, either start a blog or now start a podcast. And um, I think some of these early folks or some of these people that have these fan shows, they're perfectly happy having that that uh that platform 
right? To talk about whatever it is they want. And that's the beauty of podcasting. It's your show. You can really talk about whatever it is you want. Well, it took me a while to get into that as well, Harry. I, I was um, like, I, I'm, I'm a really friendly person. I talk to anyone and I'm not shy. And I, you know, I've kind of, I'm very happy going into a room and talking to a bunch of strangers. But when I first put a microphone, I put this mic in front of me. I was like, wait a minute. Like this, this seems like there's a microphone here. So surely this is more professional. Am I all right to just talk about stuff that I like? And it was this really weird when we started doing the DC Universe show, which is the first podcast I did. <laughs> you know, I was just talking about random DC comic stuff. And it was, it completely amazed me. You know, we were in the really low numbers. We had like 30 listeners for, you know, like three months. But then I thought to myself, wait a minute, there's 30 people want to listen to me ramble on about how much Wally West's Flash gets a raw deal compared to Barry Allen's Flash. And it just blew my mind completely. Um, and I think, you know, being a podcast movement, it helps me rediscover some of that passion because, you know, being in that small business, you know, slash entrepreneurial space, it's, it's very much about building a business around podcasting, which is nothing wrong with that. It's fantastic. And I, I love that that can be done. I think, I just think that's amazing. But it kind of got me thinking to myself, do you know what? I'm just going to turn on a mic and talk about, talk about whatever I want. And that's kind of all right. And one of the biggest things that I tend to talk to people about, you know, people that, you know, I live in a little town in the north of England called Barnsley and people, like, people don't podcast here, man. People don't podcast. And, People are asking me, what's this What's this podcasting game? I said, well, it can be anything you want. You know, I tell people now it can be anything you want. And I think I rediscovered that at podcast movement, and that was catalyzed by Jonathan there with the Zoom, just asking people trivial pursuit questions and, you know, talking to people like Cliff Ravenscraft who have built, you know, he started the podcast around, uh, your podcasting career around the, the, the Lost podcast, and it's just grown and grown, and he's got a business around it now. And it blows my mind that you can just do what you want and it's all right. No one's going to tell you that you can't do it. I mean, that's so liberating. It is. And uh, I was listening to some of the uh, your earlier shows and, and uh, you mentioned, and, and actually it was in episode one, you mentioned you were str- you struggled with um, doubts about the time and self-improvement and focus. And I'm wondering, since you've been podcasting, you know, over probably, is it about a year now? Yeah, as we record this, it's about, yeah, just over a year, yeah, actually, 13 months. Yeah, so I'm wondering what, as you look back over the past year, you know, a lot of times it's hard to see the forest for the trees, but when you can, you know, if you see try to see progress yesterday or week before, it's not as easy. But if you look back over the course of the year and thinking through what the, those those things that you were struggling with in episode one, I'm, I'm wondering what uh, when you look back at the journey so far, what, what you've seen. Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, episode one, even even when you look at the development of um, even when you look at the development of me as a as a podcaster, as an interviewer or an interviewee on podcasts, you know, the way that I articulate things is much different. The way that I host the show is much different. You know, I I, I look back at that and listen to the episode back and just cringe that you know. I mean, I think I think we've all done that when we listen to the episode one and you're like, oh my word, was that me? Was that me? And one of the big things that I found, actually, Harry, is is that I did a talk on this, actually, how podcasting helped me in all sorts of different ways, you know, podcasting for personal development. And what was really cool about this was that I discovered maybe six months into this that for some reason I was just getting better at selling things to clients at Hacksaw, at the studio. I was just getting better 
working with difficult scenarios and difficult situations and just my overall communication skills were getting better. And for the next six months after that, you know, so coming up to the last, I guess, even within the last six, seven weeks, I never realized that it was because of podcasting because I have to, you know, very frequently I do three recordings a week on a Monday evening and I record three, six, seven, eight o'clock. And I've never met these people. I do a pre-screening with those that I feel need it and some of them don't. So very often the interview is the first time I chat to them. Um, and you, you have to be able to articulate very quickly what you want to say. You have to be able to guide the conversation around. And that has helped me in life so much. You know, it's helped me. I, I never argue with my wife anymore. I know it sounds really weird, but I can just navigate conversations a lot, lot better. And I would have never, ever understood that I, that podcasting would lead me down that path. And, you know, you mentioned the focus. What What I really discounted right at day one was this idea that um because i'm so focused on business you know i run hacks or i run podcast websites i've got a few different irons in different fires like i'm a i I enjoy working i'm one of those weirdos and podcasting just allows me to feel like i'm being productive you know i'm talking about small business with people that i interview on excellence expected but i'm enjoying it it's not business it's just a chat so it kind of it really randomly, it satiates this desire I've got to feel quote unquote productive, you know, to feel like I'm doing something. Um, and I'm tricking myself into thinking that I'm working and I'm not, I'm just having a bloody good time with guys like you. So yeah, there's some, so, so many ways you can cut this. I think it's amazing. I love it. I love podcasting. When you think about who you were, um, let's say maybe the year before you started podcasting, um, what you know, is it? Is it just the opposite of what you said? I'm, I'm wondering if you could dig into a little bit more detail of the type of person that you were, because you mentioned that you, you you don't argue with your wife anymore, and I guess that just speaks to the, the the ability to have more thoughtful conversations. And so, what were conversations like pre podcasting? Well, we should get her on. I'll bring her in. No, the, uh, <laughs> we better not do that. That's like dangerous territory, man. Um, <laughs> um, I actually put a blog post out about this quite interestingly today called The the Confession of a Former Pain in the Ass. Okay. And I was a pain in the ass completely. I, uh, If you look at my website, Excellence Expected, I, uh, I had a bit of a burnout in 2012. Like I say, I love working. Like I'm a working guy. I just really, really enjoy what I do. Um, but I had a burnout. I was just working too much, doing the wrong thing. And I was a complete pain in the in, in the backside. You know, I I was um, I was moody. I, I had a bad mood on me. If something went wrong, it was like the end of the world, man. You know, it was things just got right on top of me. Um, and I, I I just I got the um, I got the whole kind of burnout thing quite heavily. It was very much okay. If this happens, it's that I'm just stopping doing it. I'm just not doing this. I quit. You know, I was one of those people. Really bad moods. And it led me to just make bad decisions in conversation. So, you know, something really small that that shouldn't have been, shouldn't actually have even been a conversation, never mind a little tiff or an argument. Because I was so burnt out on things, everything became such a big deal. Um, and podcasting, I, 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 again, I spoke about this at Podcast Movement. I did one of the sessions uh, on the Friday, Thursday, whenever, Friday. Um, and I kind of used it as therapy. I never realized it again. I never realized it. But the way that I, I can't be like that on an interview. I couldn't be like that on an interview. You know, if you, if I were interviewing you and I was just a complete ass, you'd be like, <laughs> who's this jerk? I'm just hanging up. Um, 
so it's been kind of nice insofar as when I am faced with a problem at work, because I'm consciously working less, I'm doing much less, uh, much fewer hours, but much higher impact work, combined with the fact that I'm having to communicate much better with people. I've just been at peace for like the last three years. Just, you know, completely been at peace for the last, you know, 18 months since I started podcasting and before that when I changed my working habits. It's just been this progression to being a peaceful guy. Um, completely changed my life. And the, the way that podcasting has helped and, you know, how I was before that, you know, maybe last year, the year before, before I started podcasting, complete polar opposite, man. It's a complete polar opposite. And I still struggle with it. You know, the post today, the confession of a former pain in the ass is about how someone at work who, you know, someone who I loved a bit assumed that my default behavior was the same as it was a year ago, two years ago. Um, you know, they assumed that in this circumstance, I would revert to being a bit of a bad mood and, you know, having a bit of a, a bit of an attitude and all that kind of stuff that I used to have three, four years ago. Um, and I don't have that anymore, but there's still the underlying, well, wait a minute, is the, is he going to be like that? You know, and I'm never, I will never be like that. But the, the perception was, well, wait a minute, he could possibly be like that. So, you know, the, I have to, I have to, and had to change that perception. The idea that look, a leopard can change its spots. It's just a little bit more difficult. So that's what I was like before the podcasting and the podcasting, honestly, man, it's been like a therapeutic journey for me. It's, it's, uh, it's weird actually when I say it out loud, I don't think I've ever said that out loud before, to be honest. Well, it's interesting because that was the comment I was going to make as soon as um, you said that it's podcasting as therapy mm. and, and it's and it's fascinating because it's the type of thing, Mark, that your friends and your family can see um, that as a result of the podcast, you're now a changed person. And now it, in a way, whether that was your intention or not, you've now become an ambassador for podcasting because everyone that's around you that sees the impact that it's had on your life when they think of podcasting they'll say well i have my mate mark is you know doing great things and he's actually a, a better person now because of it and in some ways it's you know you're just putting it in a really good light and uh it's interesting that it's had that effect so much so that you're it's noticeable to the people around mm -hmm. you the people that you care about it's, uh, I'm one of those guys, you know, when I go out, I remember I went out for a few pints with a guy I'd not seen for a while. And by the end of it, I was like, man, you need to be podcasting. Just like, get podcasting. It's like, what about? I'm like, I don't know. What do you care about? Just podcast about that. Um, and, you know, I'm always, always doing that. But I, I genuinely believe, it. you know, the idea that, um, for example, at Hacksaw, that's a, you know, we're a design brand and web consultancy. That's what we do. We work with people in those three disciplines. And people consistently say to me, I need to do more content marketing. I've got to get more content out there. But I, I hate, completely hate writing. And you know what? I completely hate being on video. Like I'm scared to see my face on video, which most people are. And I just said, well, just do a podcast. Well, can I really do anything about that? Can I be podcasting about what I enjoy and tie it to my business? And I was so it's not necessarily about that. It's about showing that you actually care enough about something to dedicate time to it. Because as an example, if I'm advocating people should be blogging or content marketing or putting podcast out or, or podcasts out or, or whatever, and I don't have the time to do it, 
uh, you know, what does that say about it? So I'm a big fan of that kind of thing. You know, I believe everyone's got, you know, there's the old saying, everyone's got one book in them. Everyone's got at least like 10 podcasts in them. You can, you can do something, whether you do one series or two series or an ongoing series. I think it will act very well for people that struggle with things as well. So as an example of this, my mum struggles with, um, she's got motor neuron disease, which is like really tough to diagnose. Like it's tough. Um, they've been through all sorts of things with it. And I, I, she struggles. She struggles to feel that people understand it. And she struggles to find the right sort of community. So I'm like, mum, there's a blue snowball. You plug it from there and you stick it in there. And then what you do is you tell people how your day is been because somewhere on planet earth, someone else is having that kind of day with this kind of problem. So you can, you can help each other. You can build this little community. Um, and that's what I mean about everyone's got a podcast in them. I think you can help people and I think you can give people value and content without even understanding that you're doing it. I think you can do it as a complete proxy of just reeling off everything that you want to say to the world. And somewhere, somehow, you're going to help someone with that. And I think that's the power of it. I think it's amazing. And what happens is you refine your message over time, right? You, you get better at articulating what it is that you're passionate about. And then if you run out of things to talk about on a specific topic, then you'll know, well, that's not something that I can grow into a, a longer show. And, and that's probably why people pod fade. But I think to your point, there's so many things that uh, are important to us. Like you said, I, I probably have five or six podcasts within me that I could start if if I was crazy enough to actually attempt that. But and like and, and like you had with your DC comics as well, we we're multifaceted people you know people who listen to us and talk your show if they just listen to excellence as expected they're like wow this mark is all about small business and empowering um folks to to do well with their business and they may not know and to the extent you start touching upon it in your show that all these other things that that interest you and that make you such a well-rounded person yeah, I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions in business generally is that, and you know, I, I talk about this a lot as well. It's the idea that you, your, your personality is your, is your company's secret weapon. You know, that, that is, that is a fact. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, people say that you need to find a USP, you know, but there is no USP anymore unless you're creating a completely fresh product or service. Like a price, the price is not a USP. When you think about the cliched business uh, notions out there, you know, where we pride ourselves on our service. Well, you, how can you not pride yourself on your service? You shouldn't, shouldn't be in the building if you don't pride yourself on the service. Yeah. It completely baffles me. So that, that I, I feel is so important. I think you've just summed it up beautifully there. Everything that comes together to make you that well-rounded person is, how, is what you should be putting into your business because – you know, all the marketers in the world, you pay them whatever, $200, $300 an hour for this advice, and it's always market your USP. And the only thing that's unique in business is you. So just market yourself, and things will happen. And it's a complete – when people realize that, but actually realize they can do something with it, like it's not one of the things you see on a fancy quote on Twitter. It's not in a book. It's just like I can take all of this and I can put me into all of my marketing. When people actually realize that, it's a complete game changer and it blows people's minds that they've not thought about it. It's like this logical, well, of course, of course I can do this. Of course I can tell people that I've got a giant dog that barks when the mailman comes. That's, you know, everyone that knows me in business knows that I've got a daft giant dog that hates the mailman. And it's just, 
people trust that and it's an icebreaker it's yeah. you know it's the old brian fanzo quote that it, you know um social media and marketing in this kind of manner it turns the handshake the first handshake into a hug it's that old classic um so i i think people underestimate the power of just being yourself and I think we've all done it, haven't we? You know, we've, you know, when you set up in business, you're like, okay, I'm going to do a personal Twitter account, and then day one of business, I'm going to set up a business Twitter account, and like you think you're doing really, really well, and it's like, why all you're doing is separating these two bits of your persona out, and you're never going to get them back. Um, so yeah, I think I, I think you summed that up beautifully. You know, you've got to be a well-rounded person, and you've got to be that throughout everything that you do. So it, it's interesting. Um one of the episodes you actually reunited with an old, old mate of yours. Um, <laughs> I think he had a scaffolding company and yeah. you, you were able to talk about his business on the podcast, but I think it's only because you now have your show and he has his business and you, you found out through um, just a, 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 the way things would came around is that you, you found that you have um, some things in common and you were able to talk about it on the show. So I wondering if you could talk a little bit about, why that was important to you? That was really, really good. That's Ben Beaumont, I think. And it's really, really early. It's the only two-parter that I've got on Excellence Expected yeah. because it was that long. And we did like an hour before and an hour after as well. So we were on the phone for like four hours. It was amazing. Um, so yeah, Ben's a guy that I went to school with. He owns a fantastic company in the south of England called 48.3 Scaffold Design. And he, at, at school, we were always in the same kind of groups and circles. We were always just those guys, you know, we got things done and we were like, we weren't the cool guys. We weren't the uh, sports guys. We weren't, we, ju we were just the gray men, you know, the, you, when you when you listen to like the military kind of uh, anecdotes, it's just be the gray man, you know, just be the gray man, be completely unnoticeable. That was us. We were like, there were no women, Harry, there were no women. <laughs> we were like the gray men. Um, so, yeah, you're right. About 10 years later. We um, we met at the, sadly at a funeral of our old music teacher who had a, a massive impact on us. We were both musicians, um, and we just got talking. You know, we were like, "What are you up to now?" So you know, I created a design studio. He's got a scaffolding company. Never thought anything of it. And then every now and again on Twitter, there'd be book recommendations flying about, and we'd just be like, "Well, wait a second, here. There's something going on here. We seem to be just just crossing paths." a little bit more just completely by accident and uh, when I started the show I reached out to him and said listen man we should just do this we should just have a catch up and we record a portion of it and see what the deal is um, <clears throat> and it was amazing because we'd, we'd stopped seeing each other at age 16 and came back together at age 32 I was 32 at the time um, so you know half my life I'd not seen him and it, the the startling similarities between what we'd done in business and life and the choices that we made and the things that drove us and the way that we got to where we are, they were just fascinating. They were fascinating. And I think it's, it's, it's amazing because people always say, you know, if you, if you come from a small town, you kind of get the people that leave and the people that stay. But actually, I think you kind of turn that around a little bit. Like I, I, I went away and came back to the small town. So I love the place, but you know, I kind of, I've done what many people in the small town haven't done. And I think it was, it, that was the focus of the conversation. The real crux of that conversation, like the deep subliminal kind of subtext to that was the idea that you can kind of, this whole nature versus nurture thing, you know, you can, you can completely separate each other. You can just not talk to each other and somehow make this same kind of decision path. Um, and it was just fascinating to see what he'd done and how he built his business. And we, we, we got to some really deep, 
ideas around personal development and yeah, you know, it was just a really fun like four hour full afternoon out which really didn't expect and uh, Ben's doing really well for himself he's just opened a place out in Dubai so I learned a lot about international trade and how he's um, especially especially kind of doing doing business out in the Emirates which I thought was fascinating and it, it was very interesting to see that someone else from a very very small town with very limited opportunity had decided to just kick it to the curb and say well do you know what I'm kind of not going to listen to anyone. I'm just kind of going to do what I want and do what I think. And uh, you end up meeting each other 10 years later, six, or even 16 years later. Um, you know, so just, just baffling, isn't it, how it all works? Well, what was, it, what was interesting was how many parallels there were in what you talk about on a regular basis on your show and you know, the, some of the challenges that he, he, he went through and, and experiences he has growing his business. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's something that um, I think the being cognizant of what you're struggling with is a big challenge for people really understanding and and, and seeing these things for what they are. So as an example of that, we spoke in the episode uh, with Ben about focusing on what's impactful instead of what you're good at or what's, um, you know, what you're efficient at. So being effective versus being efficient, you know, the old Tim, Tim Ferriss notion of being effective versus being efficient. Um, and, and, and it's a recurring theme throughout the podcast insofar as it's really very easy to have a fantastic day at work because all you do is you create a list of things that you want to do and you leave the building at 5 p.m. or 5.30 and you just give yourself a pat on the back because you've gone down the list and you ticked all the things that you wanted to tick off. Brilliant. Well done. That's fantastic. It's a great day. But actually, do, do any of these things matter? And when you realize that as the business owner, especially if you come from having a job, you know, which Ben and I both did, when you come from having a job, it's very difficult to get into the mindset that these 10 tasks that I'm doing, I should probably only be doing two of them. I should be doing like the $10,000 tasks or the $100,000 tasks. Someone else should be doing the $1,000 and the $100 tasks. And it, it, <laughs> it's really difficult because it can, get, it can put you on a bit of a downer because you're like, right, okay, I've had a fantastic day. I've gone down my tick list, like I've emailed this person, I've written this blog post, I've signed this contract, and I've got this new business in. And you leave the building, as I say, at five o'clock. And then when you come to the realization, when you have that, you know, that revelation that all of this stuff that I've done, has it actually moved the business forward? When you realize that it probably hasn't, yeah, it's a kick in the teeth because you're like, oh man, my to-do list. I love my to-do list. What am I going to do now? Like, I want to tick all these things off. And it becomes so difficult. And that was a big theme that came out of that episode. And it's something that recurs throughout the podcast, really, is that, you know, as, as business owners, you do have to shift from being efficient at being an employee to being effective as a business owner. And that, I think, when you when you cross that line, you then start to make moves that you didn't think you could make. You, you start to see results that you thought were reserved for people that you see on social media. You know, that kind of effect happens. And as I said, that was a big thing that came out of that interview. And it was, for me, it came at a time where, you know, I was probably, we spoke earlier on about the things that I was struggling with. Uh, and it came, the interview came at a time where I was just, I was still validating, is this podcast a good idea? Am I doing the right thing, investing time in this? Um, and he, you know, he had the same revelation that, well, wait a minute, I need to step out of my business. I need to do the things that are effective, not efficient. And when we spoke about it, you'll hear it in the episode, you know, there's a real big validation from my perspective that, well, wait a minute, thank God for this. 
I'm on the right track. Someone else understands this. Um, and I think it was only because it was with Ben that I was able to do that. If it was someone that I'd not spoken to before, I, I don't think we'd have gone down that path because we would have both been a little bit more reserved. Um, and I don't think the show would be where it's at today had it not been for that conversation because, it, as I say, it gave me the stamp of someone that you know, someone that you've known for a long time that you respect and trust is overcoming these problems as well. So stick to your guns, man. You know, even if people are telling you this is not the right thing, stick to your guns because you trust this person. You should listen to that. Um, so that was a big catalyst for me for keeping moving forward, I think. That's a really fascinating takeaway. And it sometimes um, speaks to going out on a limb and getting out of your comfort zone because a lot of times we hear podcasts where people try to have the most um, regular conversations with people that they feel they need to have on their show because everyone said, you know, you need to have these, they have, everyone has their top 20, their top 50 magical guests that will explode my podcast. <laughs> and then they, you know, and, and we've all, if, when, once you've been doing it long enough, you realize it's not, a, it's not one guest is not going to make your show, right? And so realizing that, you have a platform and realizing that you, you know, one of the terms I like, I've, I've, I've been using more often now is showrunner uh, because it really encompasses like that we produce this show and, and we're in charge of booking the talent and, and getting it produced and, and finding, doing the marketing and the publicity. But with that, with all those responsibilities comes some leeway in, in picking and choosing the people who are right for us for our show at this point in time and i think that's really what it sounds like happened with with your thinking outside the box and deciding to bring your friend on the show well i did uh, it's a really good point that you made there harry about the uh you know i'm gonna get these silver bullets on my show and that's it i do t- like i could do 20 interviews with the top 20 people oh man you're gonna see sponsorship checks dropping on my doormat and it's you know that realization that well hang about wait a minute the guy that I interviewed that lives next door to me got the same download numbers as this superman or superwoman that is going to bring all these numbers in <laughs> you can take that one off two ways like one that's a complete kick in the teeth and you should stop doing it forever, <laughs> which is like the first reaction. You're like, well, this is it. This microphone is going on eBay. That's it. Game over, man. Or you do it the other way, which is, I think <laughs> you, you get to this point, which is, well, wait a minute. All of these people came back, you know, all these people came back and they keep coming back and they're telling people and things are growing slowly, which is brilliant. And, and you, you come to the realization, like if you look at the early shows, I, I, did, I just didn't know anyone. I didn't know anyone. I didn't know you guys. I didn't know uh, any of the big plays in the podcasting industry. So what I did was I was like, right, ooh, I got in my mobile phone. I'm going to email these guys. I'm doing a podcast. P.S. in brackets. A podcast is this. This is what a podcast is. That's funny. I've got two microphones. If I make you a cup of tea, shall we talk about something? <laughs> and if you listen to the first 20 or 30, that's what they are. They're me in a room. I like listen to the quality of them. It's me in a room with my Zoom H4 and these two EV mics. And the shows were longer. They were an hour, sometimes an hour and a half, where now they're like 30 to 45 minutes. And the thing that I took from that was that as long as you're talking, you mentioned it yourself, as long as you're talking about the right thing to the right people, so you know who you're talking to in terms of your audience and who you want to attract. And you just keep talking to that person. You keep talking to the right people at the right time. The names don't matter. It's the topics. It's the substance. And it's the 
it's the personality. If you listen to the early shows, I don't talk about the dog. I don't talk about DC Comics. I don't talk about... I even do impressions on some of the later <laughs> ones, man, and I'm terrible at impressions. Like, I suck at all impressions. Um, we talked about Airwolf and Knight Rider on a recent one, but back in the day, you know, back in episode one to ten, I'd have been like, this is a professional podcast. We cannot have any fun. Um, so, yeah, you, you're right. You kind of need to find your platform, and, and, and you, you mentioned the, you know, the top 20 or 30 guests that we'd all like on the show. Is it the end of the world if you don't get them? Well, probably not. As long as you've got your platform and people, the people that you want to listen to you are listening to you. That's what it's about, you know? The other place where you've injected your personality is your intro song, which, uh, if I understand correctly, you actually wrote and played. <laughs> it sounds so grand, that. It's like four chords. <laughs> it's just four chords. It's like an F sharp. And no, one, no, one, no, no one knows there's not a whole <laughs> album behind that, so... Well, there is an album behind that. Uh, it's unreleased. It's not recorded. It's not written yet. But in there, there's an album. Um, no, it was actually from, I used to be in a band called Green Ball Flyers, which was like, we were a, a, a pop rock band. Like, I, So a bit of backstory. My mum is uh, the world's biggest Bon Jovi fan, which means that by proxy, I became the world's biggest Bon Jovi fan. And uh, I got pulled around on 80s power rock. So you stick a guitar in there and wow. it's, it's just like catnip. Um, so I, yeah, we used to be in a band and we wrote a song called One Way Street, and I remember we never used it for anything. We did a few, we, we did some all right gigs. You know, we played to like, I think the maximum we played to was about 17,000 17, people at a, at a big um, bonfire. That's so big. That was, it was all right. I mean, we weren't very good. It was just like, I know someone that's putting this gig on, they need a support act. They're like, we don't want pain. Do you want to put us on? And, uh, but we recorded a few songs and I came came to do the podcast and every, like I was scared to death because people are saying, if you use royalty free music, you need to be sure it's good quality. And if you don't use royalty free music, like you, you, you need to get shut of your house because someone's going to come and take that from you. So I'm like scared to death, shaking like October or September 2014, thinking, oh my, what, like, what am I going to do about this music? And then realized that I had four chords recorded in an overdrive guitar style. Uh, I thought, well, I'll just take that, pop that in. That seems cool. Now, the good thing with that is the guy who played the guitar, I did the bass and some of the rhythm guitar. The guy who played the solo over it um, is a really good friend of mine, so I don't have to pay him anything. So that's pretty cool as well. So, uh, yeah, it was a freebie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I did something similar because, I, like I mentioned early on, I uh, produced electronic music, and a friend of mine I took a mastering class with. He's an amazing musician, uh, Cedar and Soil. And I said, can you just create something that sounds like a jingle for me? And uh, it's it's what I've used since episode one, and it's still still going strong. And, and it's it's that relief that we don't have to worry about that we've used something that someone's going to hear on another podcast. So kudos to you for that. Yeah, exactly. It's a fun one. It's a fun one. I do try and get it in there because we don't do anything with a band anymore. You know, it's like being a, being a musician and a producer. You kind of, you've always got the itch for it. Like I've got a guitar like within arm's length every day. And um, it's just nice to, to, to use something so that in 10 years time, you're not thinking, wow, I've not heard that for a while. Um, it is quite cool to just hear it. And, and you know what? It actually serves as a really nice opening story as well at like conferences. Um, yeah. you know, you can just say, well, yeah. did you know this? This is a fact. People always, you know, like when you go to conferences, people are like, tell me something I don't know about you. Like, well, I can't swim very well. And oh, by the way, here's a more cool fact. Um, so yeah, it, it works. <laughs> so the, uh, the not being able to swim well, swim well is actually true. Oh yeah, man. I suck. <laughs> I'm like, I swim like a brick. 
Um, I, I'll tell you a little story. I attribute it to the fact that, you know, the whole, the whole, you know, the best way to learn how to swim is to, put, you know, throw someone in the deep water. I, I'll tell you that doesn't work. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Yeah, completely. That does not work. Um, I remember vividly going to a little swimming bath with my mum and uh, it was my next door neighbor at the time where my mum was good friends with. And vividly in my mind, I recall just bobbing around in the water being scared to death and my mum and my fr- you know her friend were there and I'd been about three years old and just being completely scared to death so I do about 10 meters and um now nah, I'm finished I'll sunbathe all day long man but you asked me to swim no you no, know no, it's, no. it's funny it, it it has the opposite effect you're probably traumatized at this point by that experience Oh God, yeah, I'm scared of all water. Like my, the, my wife asks if I want a cup of tea and I'm like, oh, yeah, how deep is it? I'm not, <laughs> not into this. <laughs> so I'm interested in your take in, um, and, and if it's something that you became aware of or, um, or something you, you don't even notice, the comparison between podcasts um, in, in the UK and podcasts in America. Um, and if there's a, there's a big difference in terms of how popular they are here in the States. Yeah, that's a really good question, actually. Harry. The initial perception, like when you first get into podcasting in the UK, you're like, oh man, I need to move to the States because look at all this podcast stuff that's out there. This is amazing. And then you realize that it's the internet and you're being an idiot and you've got everything that you need. But it's, a, it's an odd one because there's a percentage of people I think the UK is about mm. the same, you know, but we're just a, a lot smaller as a country. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the breadth of what you guys do in the States, you know, the size of the country, all of the, the, the different pockets of people that can meet up across the country. I think it's fantastic that you've got things like DC Podfest. Uh, we got contacted the other day at podcast websites about um, Pittsburgh Podfest, which is looks fantastic. Yeah. Um, looks really, really cool. TJ got in touch. And then there's obviously podcast movement, new media experts and so on and so forth. Um, so you... Your initial thought as a UK denizen is, oh man, this is, you know, this sucks. I need to just move or stop podcasting and do something quintessentially British like comb your dog or something. <laughs> but when, the more you dig into it, there is a good culture here. You know, you've got people like Mike and Isabella Russell, you've got David Bain, Chris Marr, Colin Gray, all the, all the fantastic people that are doing great work in podcasting. Um, and this year, we had the second New Media Europe, which Mike and Isabella put on in Manchester. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it pulled decent people in. It had Chris Ducker talking. We had Amy Schmittauer there. Um, there, were, there were a ton of decent people there. Um, who, again, you know, it was fantastic to strike relationships up with those guys. So I think the UK is catching up. It's just we don't have the frequency of meetups. But there is definitely this subculture kicking in now where people that you wouldn't expect to be podcasting just happen to be into podcasting. Um, and it's... I, it's kind of just not as mainstream, I don't think, even though it's not, you know, it's not mainstream per se, but it's, we're catching up, you know, the UK mm-hmm. seems to be catching up. And you, honestly, Mike and Isabella do fantastic work, UK podcasters group yeah. um, that Mike and Isabella run, you know, two share to those guys, they're, they're doing a fantastic job. In a way, it's more of an opportunity for you when you're there to find a lot more people that maybe don't know about podcasting. And as a result, you get to educate a lot of people as well, I imagine. Oh, you become the expert. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm the, I'm the Yorkshire podcasting expert because like Yorkshire is the biggest County in the UK and there's not many people that podcast, uh, in, in Yorkshire. And it, it, to be fair, it is great. And I like on my site, it's the UK's number one small business podcast. Um, that's what I put on there because 
I want to be the UK's number one small <laughs> business podcast. So if I start telling people, why not? Um, but people, people, are, people are on to that. You know, I get, I get requests, media requests and so on saying, wow, this is amazing. UK's number one small business podcast. Now, well, it's not hard. There's only about six of us. And someone had to say that we're in the UK with it. You know, the guys that are doing it, we feel like we're in there early. Um, and there's, there's a really closed, small, not a closed, sorry, a very close knit, very small little community of business podcasters that are just fantastic. You know, I mean, like some of the best people you'll ever meet. Um, and it's, it's amazing to be part of such a small group and feel like you're kind of doing something a bit different that people aren't quite aware of yet. Um, I'm, I had to. I have to ask. I'm wondering when, if, when you first saw the news about DC Podfest, if for a fraction of a second you thought it might be a pod, podcast conference about DC Comics. <laughs> we're talking. We're talking. I'd pay anything to get a ticket if that's the case. That would. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's just blowing my mind. Now I've got ideas for. Well, wait a minute. Okay, I know. A lot, I know a lot of geeks, and I know a lot of podcasters. Um, we're going to put a conference on. <laughs> no, do you know? I was gutted. I was supposed to go out there and do a speech at uh, DC Podfest, and the timing didn't line up. Um, had I done that, it's probably great that I didn't, because on that thought path, I would have probably turned up dressed like Green Lantern and got mm. completely killed for it. <laughs> So who's the favorite uh, DC character? How long you got? We could be here a while. No, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm a Dick Grayson guy all the way. Nightwing, all the way. Okay. Yeah, I've recently had uh, Mike Vardy on, and he's he actually has a Green Lantern ring. And, uh, and it's he had it made for him, and it's it's just the values that um, Green Lantern espouses. That kind of, that's why he wears it, and he talk about a super fan. And it's like, it's not a plastic ring, it's like a metal, like, full... <laughs> That is stunning. Like, that's the ultimate swag. A yeah. Green Lantern ring is the ultimate swag. But I get that. It sounds really weird, that. And do you, here's one for you. I can directly trace my lineage into, uh, into you know, where I am personally and in business back to picking up a copy of Batman number one in 2011 when they rebooted the entire continuity. Mm. Here's the, the very short version of that is um, I'd not read comics for such a long time. And DC did a reboot in 2011 where they changed all the lines, started at number one again, New 52 it was called. Picked up Batman number one, blown away by Scott Snyder who wrote it, started reading Batman, got on to do a blog called twoshotstothehead.com, um, which evolved into the first podcast, the DC Universe show, which got me into podcasting. Like, I was resistant to podcasting. Uh, it was my friend Gary Ayler who said, we should do a podcast. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, cut your nice one. It's 2001. Okay, let's do that. Um <laughs> And then I just got the, got bit by the bug. So there is, you know, I've got something to be thankful for when it comes to Batman. I'll thank Batman for getting me into it. <laughs> it's always fun to have that connection to our childhood. And I think uh, too many people, they try to shut those things out and just forget that that's an important aspect of who they were. I was uh, <clears throat> driving somewhere with my wife and I said, you know, there's certain smells or, or certain food or a certain song that you hear. And the minute you hear it, you're immediately taken back to your childhood and you can remember exactly where you were when you when you heard that song or when you when you ate, ate oh McDonald's french fries of all things that's what it was it was the smell <laughs> and it was this immediately transported back to a time you know when we didn't worry about so many things and i imagine that it's it's like that with a lot of people you know when they think of comics it takes them back to their childhood Oh, I mean, that is so powerful, you know, smells and visuals and, and, and music, especially, you know what it's like. Um, it, it's, 
I'm a, I work off music so, so much. Like when I'm training in the gym, it's like there's a Swedish band called Heat. Like I'm into melodic pop rock. You know, if it's heavy guitar and it's kind of cheesy, you can predict it. That's my thing. Um, you know, so there's a band called Heat who just, just absolutely nail that down. So I stick that on when I'm training. And every time I listen to it, if I'm not training, I'm like, right, okay, I need to, this is not right. I need to stop listening to this. Um, but to, to, to kind of come back to that point, whenever I need to change my mood up, whenever I need to become a little bit more carefree, when I was when I was cramming for my exams back when I was 15, 16, it was in 97. And the biggest selling album at that time was an Oasis album, Be Here Now. It was massive. It went crazy. In fact, last week it got overtaken by Adele's new album. Mm. Up until that point, it was the fastest selling album ever. Um, and there's a song on there, Stand By Me by Oasis. Great, great song. And that was, I just it used to be on repeat. And it's got into my subconscious so much that if ever I need to change my mood, if ever I need to just relax or feel good or whatever, I put that on. And honestly, the power it has is unbelievable. It just completely transforms me. It, but it's amazing. Like human bodies are just crazy, aren't they? Well, I, um, you know, I get that same feeling. And most of, it, of mine is with electronic music. But I've actually read books about the psychology and it's something about the frequencies of, of just certain sound waves and, and how they hit certain points within you that create euphoria and create happiness and create sadness because there's something mm-hmm. happening when they hit that certain note in that certain way that triggers this response in you. Yeah, I can completely buy that. And I, I, I'd love to look into it even further, actually. It's something that really interests me. I'm, I'm a big kind of, I like to know what happens in the brain and I'm big into nutrition and that kind of thing, you know, how, how do things affect the body. And uh, it's amazing, isn't it, when you think about it? What, what um, as, as an example, I got, I'm obviously big into Superman and as a, as a DC fan, but I used to be into jazz and I used to be a jazz musician and a kind of brass musician when mm. I was young, I used to play trumpet and trombone and stuff. And my first, my first ever memory of music is being stood in front of uh, my gran who had an old record player. And my uncle was in a brass band, one of the biggest uh, brass bands in the world called Grimethorpe. They're from a little, little tiny little village, which is about two miles away from where I live. And, um, they do movie soundtracks. They do movie soundtracks and they played Superman. And I used to, honestly, when I was three years old, I, there's pictures of me just stood in front of this record player listening to Superman on repeat. Um, honestly, I loved it. And I didn't, at the time, I didn't understand why I liked it. Now, I understand that because of the way that the chord progression is, the way that the John Williams wrote the score to soar at that point and to come down at this point or to create the split in the chords... I understand why it made me feel how it made me feel. And actually the the power that I understood from that, like how he manages to get across the values of a character like Superman in music, you know, it's, it's, that's always going to be an uplifting justice led kind of very emotionally fulfilling piece. And it's written about a character that fulfills all those things. And I understood that from age three without ever seeing Superman all from music. So the, the, what it does to your brain is just unbelievable. I'm so, it's such a fascinating topic. Well, wow, that's really interesting. Um, did you see that documentary about the, the no, that's not a documentary, it's the movie about the drummer and he gets, it's a jazz drummer and he gets basically 
tortured by the the instructor. Uh, I gotta I gotta look it up, but it's it's oh, it's Whiplash. Whiplash. It's whiplash. Um, I've seen the trailer. Well, here's a little trivia for you as well, Harry. No one else knows this in the podcast world. My girlfriend, my girlfriend, we're married now. My uh, my wife. You better edit that bit. My wife. It, you remember what I said about no arguments? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, my wife. She's a drummer. She. Uh, I got a drumming lessons about two years ago for Christmas. She's kept it up. She's fantastic. She loves it. And. Um, I, I da- sort of downloaded it off iTunes for it because when it came out, it looked fantastic. I thought I saw J.K. Simmons was in it, mm-hmm. who's from the Spider-Man movies, and it's the got the kid from uh, um, the kid from Fantastic Four in it as well. And I just yeah. saw it and I thought that looks stunning. Um, it is and- amazing, disturbing, fascinating. Uh, the music is crazy, and and just it's just you can't take your eyes off it it's it's just non-stop and it's just like wow it's really intense and i i really really enjoyed it and, and and having a musical background i'm sure you you will as well yeah it's been on my watch list i've not i've not seen it we got it off itunes when it came out i got yeah. one of the old those fancy apple tv things and figured out how to work and i was like ooh, stuff that i can buy and not not feel like i'm buying it i love that and uh, yeah it looks amazing there's another one of the, the another musical one with al pacino in called danny collins mm. don't know if you've seen that not yet. but that similar thing but on a kind of different train of thought you know what happens if you make the wrong decision and regret it and you know it's all about the music industry so again i mean al pacino and that just knocks it out of the park yeah i'm I'm wondering um i'm always curious when i speak to folks uh, abroad what your first uh memory was of america or the states uh, that again is superman um <laughs> Honestly, how weird is this? It's Superman. It's the truth, justice, American way. I'll tell you what it is. It's Superman 1, 1978, Christopher Reeve flying over, quote-unquote, Metropolis, which somehow is the Statue of Liberty in there. Um, and he flies past it, and it, and, and that's, that's a, my sort of first memory of America. Um, but the, 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 the overall theme from that is how busy it was. So, you know, I always remember Clark running out of the Daily Planet offices, um, the scene where he comes out of Superman and sees the the, the, the uh, helicopter falling, looks around for somewhere to get changed. And that stuck with me because it was so busy. Like, he's Superman. He can't find anywhere to get changed, and he's bloody Superman. You know, there's nowhere here because this place is so busy. Um, and it just struck me, the size of it, the, uh, you know, the awe that was associated with how busy it was and big and the opportunity with it. And I still... As bizarre as this sounds, I still to this day get that sense of, and this is so cliched and cheesy, but that sense of if I were to go, you know, I've been to New York a few times, but if I were to go to New York, I could pretty much do what I want. Or if I go to California, I can do what I want. It's that that whole really cliched, like American dream thing. But just the idea that there's nothing really to stop you. Um, and I think we sometimes struggle with that. Coming from a small town in in, the, in Yorkshire, you know, we're a mining town. It's very, very specific in the way it thinks and i was always attracted to this the busyness of new york and the idea that all these different cultures exist and it no one gives you a second glance if you're doing something that here would be perceived as being really weird um so that's my first memory of it the size of it and the kind of busyness and you know that whole vibrancy about it i I take it when you first landed in new york it didn't disappoint then yeah, so we turned up, actually, the first time we were in New York, which was, I think it was 2006, like January or February. And um, like you guys had had the worst snowstorms uh, for a long time, apparently. So we turn up and there's no snow there. And the day after we turn up, you know, out of the hotel, we stayed on Broadway, which was kind of nice because, you know, we did the whole neon lights thing. And 
we step out of the hotel and there's these snow drifts that are just huge, just, you know, the, the, the real kind of crazy huge things that you see on TV and in the movies. And we walked, I remember vividly, we walked down to a cafe, we got some breakfast and we walked down to Times Square and really randomly, it was a weekend, so not many people were commuting, but 10 a.m., Times Square, and there was no one there. You know, that was my first kind of, what's going on here? So that was when I got to New York, I wasn't disappointed. The scale of the thing was unbelievable, like the pavements, the, the sidewalks that you guys have are bigger than our roads. <laughs> and when, but when we walked into Times Square with the snow, there was, honestly, there was no one there. All the lights were on, everything was open, everything was there. But there was, you know, I'm talking maybe 100 people in Times Square, which looks like nothing when you're there. Um, and it turns out it was just because people were, they were just waiting for for the, 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 the kind of municipal workers to clear the snow, and we didn't realize that, so we're naively tramming through the snow. Mm. And uh, I just remember it really vividly being this kind of really surreal, all-white, big bright lights, giant experience. So I, I just love the place. I think it's amazing. Yeah, I'm always interested in, in when uh, visitors and tourists get, get the, the, the full experience. Um, we're in Los Angeles now, but we I'm a New York City transplant, and I, I just love big cities and I actually love congestion and be around people and not everyone uh, can get used to that. <laughs> no, I'm with you on that one. I think there's, there's, there's certainly a, a certain buzz about a big city that you don't get anywhere else. And I think you, you often underestimate that. It's quite an exciting thing to do. Like, again, it's back to the opportunity. You know, the idea that at 4am you can just do what you want versus if you're here in Barnsley or wherever, you, it's 4am. That's it, man, you're sleeping. So it's, uh, I, I get that. I get the vibrancy of the congestion, the big city. Yeah, it's very nice. Um, so we'll wrap up with a couple more questions. I, w- I was wondering if you could uh, describe a relationship with um, a past or current teacher or mentor who has had an impact on your life. Yeah, well, there are a couple, actually. The um, the first one that springs to mind, is you remember earlier when I said we, we spoke to Ben, I think it was on about mm-hmm. episode 15 of, of the podcast. Um, so there was a music teacher uh, called Holin Hamilton, um, famed for his, he used to have a bright orange van. And he was a really influential guy in my life because he basically he was the guy that set me on the musical path. He really, you know, I came from a real, you know, a background, a, a quite a poor background where I didn't have the finances to to do the stuff that I would often like to do. And he really, really helped me out. You know, he gave me chances that no one else would have given me. And that was massive for me. That was just like, here's how you be an actual real person. Here's how you be a real man. You, you know, you help people. Um, he was massively influential on me. And just one of those people that amassed such a friendship with everyone. You know, his funeral was just, it was the busiest thing mm. that I've ever been to. And it was just testament to such a great life. So he's the first one, you know, I'm so thankful for what he did. And the second one is the, the, the chap that I'm still in business business with, which is Don Gent, who is my, uh, my partner at Hacksaw. And... I first met Dom maybe coming up to 10 years ago now. I was having a bit of a, a time where I was transitioning from being a, a, a freelancer to wanting to create the business. And, you know, he he is a constant learner like me. We've got very similar personalities in, in certain elements and, you know, the way that we think about business and helping people. But then he's much more measured with, than me. Like I'm the guy that if I see an opportunity, I'm like, boom, we're doing it. That's it. Well, it's going to be fantastic. Um, and he has been a mentor and a friend to me for, for the last 10 years, just helping me, helping me become more measured, 
helping me become more rounded as a person. And every day, you know, he does that every single day. He d- did it today, he'll do it tomorrow. Uh, so that's Don Jen. He runs a, a blog, actually, Fitness for Over 50. Um, and he's, he's just a complete, all-round fantastic guy he's, you know he's called Don Gent he's a gent by name gent by hmm. nature um, and he's he has such a profound impact on me and he's got so much to share with the world it's, it's amazing that we, we came across each other in a in a business startup center you know he had a small tiny office and I had my t- tiny office um, and this you know there's just the serendipity of walking past I, I had to walk past his office to go and get myself a nice cup of tea every day you know and it, th- these little circumstances these bits of serendipity that just line up to cause you to meet people in your life that have such a big impact. Again, you know, it's the mystery of life. It completely, it completely blows me away. So yeah, those two guys have, have changed my life. No question. And it's, it's important when we think about those people, because in a way they remind us of the impact that we can have on the, the, the new generation of people that are, that are uh, folks that are coming up and, and, you know, looking, always looking for opportunities where we ourselves can be that mentor. Well, do you know, it's, it's kind of interesting you say that, Harry, because you, you often don't realize that you are doing that as well. You know, I think as you get to a, like I'm a millennial, I was born in 82. So, you know, we're recording this December 15. So I'm, I'm 33. I had to think about that. That's bad news. <laughs> um, but I'm, you know, I'm a millennial and I'm just, just getting to the point now where I'm, I'm starting to realize that people are actually seriously asking for my advice. And I still feel like I'm 16. I'm like answering the question with what right do I have to give this advice? And more importantly, what crazy pills are you on to ask me for advice? Um, and you, you, you sort of, you don't realize that people look at you for leadership or for mentoring or, you know, want that advice from you because you don't realize that you've got anything to give until mm-hmm. you start giving it. Again, it's, it's that back to that mystery of life. When do you, you know, when do you, I guess, when do you feel comfortable sharing what you've learned? Do you ever feel comfortable doing that? I don't know. Yeah. it speaks to that imposter syndrome, but I think the the moment that you have a conversation with someone and you can see that it had a tangible benefit for them, or there's a lot, you know, something lights up in their eyes, or even more importantly, they actually take action on what you did. And then you regroup with them a year or two later and you said, wow, you, you actually follow through. And that's when you realize you're having an impact. Yeah, that the, the actionable part of it is, you know, that's that's what I'm all about with the podcast, define, challenge, con- conquer, and, you know, take actionable steps. And you're right, when you see someone moving forward and you can keep them moving forward, even when they don't want to move forward, that, that is so rewarding. And again, it's back to that old cliche, but, you know, listen, if you can help someone do what they didn't think they could do, then that's that's what success looks like. It's not having, you know, half a million pound in the bank and, you know, doing what you want to do. The success is in helping people move forward and keeping them moving forward when they don't feel like they can, because we all need that. You know, people, we want people to be there for us when we feel we can't move forward. And that, that's what I think that is what life and business is all about. Really, really well said. So what have you changed your mind about recently? Um, start drinking green tea, which <laughs> I thought I hated it. It turns out I really like it. Um, okay. What have I changed my mind about recently? Okay. The, the, the big one here is getting help, hmm. getting help because I was, um, like I'm kind of the black sheep in many regards, you know, not just from a familial perspective, but from the perspective of, 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 of where I come from in, 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 in England, you know, pushing against that kind of thing. I've always felt quite alone in what I was doing. 
And again, it's back to podcasting. It speaks to the power of podcasting is that I've realized that, listen, man, you can't, <clears throat> you can't do it all yourself. You yeah. need help. And it's, it's, it's all right to appear fallible. It's all right to appear vulnerable and it's all right to share things that you didn't feel comfortable sharing and actually help help yourself get help overcoming those things and i think that's one of the biggest things i've changed my mind on is that if you reach out to people they're not going to judge you they're not they're not they're not going to look at you any differently they're not going to worry about whether you can do what you say you're going to do or not they're just going to help you um and that's the biggest thing i'm talking when i say recently i mean that's a that's something i realized maybe three four years ago but i still you know, I still consistently have to work at that. And I, you know, I open up more and more and more to people as time progresses. So that's a gradual process for me, but yeah, you, you, you need, you need help. That's the thing I've changed my mind on. You need help. Well, I think that's a, it's a nice way to, to put a bow on this. And, uh, I, I want to thank you profusely for, uh, taking the time to open up and, and, and coming on the show. Oh, thank you, Ari. Honestly, it's a pleasure. It's like this is a tick in the box for me. Like one of the the things that I must do is is uh, is get on the show. So no, thank you. It's been a real pleasure. And do you know what? It's it's great to talk about a variety of things as well. It's great to not be talking about personal branding or digital marketing or small business. That, that really really enjoyed that. So thank you, man. You got a great show, and you're you're a fantastic host. Thank you so much. So uh, what's the best place for folks to track you down? Best place is do a Google search for excellence expected and you're going to get everything that I put out there. That's my hub for everything. So it's excellence expected and on every bit of social media, you can get me on Mr. Asquith. Very good. Well, thanks again. And I hope you have a fantastic uh, holiday with you. Thank you, sir. Likewise. Enjoy the break. Take care. Okay, if you didn't find something in there to connect with, then I don't know what else uh, we could have talked about. I mean, we covered music, comics, business, family life, uh, UK versus US, um, first impressions, um, just not taking yourself too seriously, having a good time, uh, life's lessons, just a wide wide, wide ranging um, conversation, my favorite kind. And I, I really hope you enjoyed it. I really uh, loved that conversation. Because it's, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, an, an opportunity for me to understand and make uh, friendships with um, my fellow podcasters in a way that's more personable, and more personal. And it's something I love doing and why I will definitely keep doing this show for as long as I possibly can. So Podcast Junkies is a proud member of Podcastica. Podcastica is a super collection of uh, fun podcasts like The Walking Dead cast, Evil Dead cast, um, Under the Comic Covers, the Sci-Fi Movie Podcast, and uh, you'll know that Rem and Jonathan were on episode 66. You should check those guys out, and I'll be having some of the other hosts on in a short time as well. Once Upon a uh, Podcast... Game of Microphones, and of course, our show, Podcast Junkies. Music intro and outro was provided by Cedar in Soil. Check out cedarsoil.com for more fantastic music. You can subscribe to the show at podcastjunkies.com slash iTunes. And there's a specific way that would be amazing um, for me if you could do it as a support for the show. So first is subscribe. That's the best thing you can do. Subscribe if you haven't done so already. If you're listening to this show on a regular basis, you should be subscribing so that you can get the latest episodes popping into your 
podcatcher of choice. I prefer to use Overcast. I'm really digging it. Um, if you don't uh, have a specific one in mind, I would recommend Over, Overcast. Uh, I'm not too crazy about what iTunes did with the latest uh, podcast app. And Overcast supports the... Um, what do you call it? The track listings, the timestamps. And uh, I don't know why I'm stumbling with that word because I, I know exactly what it is that I put into the show every week in their timestamps. And um, you can uh, skip to the sections that you find more entertaining. And I, I think it's fascinating the way they've done it in Overcast. And it's just one more reason for you to go check out the in-depth show notes that you can see on podcastjunkies.com, but also within the podcast player of choice. So subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Uh, the second thing to do is just let new people know about the show. Um, I tend to tell all the Lyft drivers when I get in for my to uh, I don't do Uber, I do Lyft, and I say, "Do you know what a podcast is? Have you heard of one?" And by the time the ride is over, uh, they'll have a new subscription on their phone, and it's uh, my show. Um, lastly, uh, rating and review. Um, that would be fantastic. I'm really uh, appreciative of when those happen. And uh, I've got a couple I got to read out on the next episode. So if you want to get in on that and uh, have your review read over the air, it'll make you automatically internet famous. And you don't want to miss that. So the retention hashtag for this week is in honor of Mark's absolute love for all things DC Comics. We'll do um, hashtag DC Mark, D-C-M-A-R-K. If you've made it this far, um, know that I am entirely appreciative of the support you provide. So um, in terms of uh, other ways to support the show uh, from a monetary perspective uh, as always we have the podcast junkies patreon page and there's a couple of new links i put on the site um there's an amazon link that links directly to all podcasting equipment on amazon so obviously um that would be helpful that's an affiliate link for my site disclaimer and uh the other thing on this site that i've added is categories for some of the older shows to make it easier for you to find stuff so there's interviewers meta podcasts podcast pioneers women international uh super fans uh health and sports and uh, a couple of other categories that don't come to mind right now but it's if you haven't been on the site in a while i highly recommend you check that out so don't forget hashtag dc mark and mark's twitter handle is uh, mr asquith and ours is podcast underscore junkies. Tag us both. Have a fantastic week, day, hour, minute, second. See ya.